Welcome, students, to your very first lecture about Homer's Iliad. But before we get into the text itself, we're going to talk about the causes of the Trojan War. You see, Iliad features a war, but not the beginning of the war, very close to the end of the war, but not the end of the war either. Just a two to three week period during the course of the war that was representative of everything that happened. But students often have questions for me. If they're going to be thrown into the middle of a war, usually their first question is, what can you imagine students' first questions would be? What are your first questions? Yes? How did it start? How did it start? That is a very important question. In fact, if you've ever seen a fight between people happen and some authoritative figure comes in between them, usually their very first question, after yelling stop and getting everybody about or away from each other, is what happened? So, let's figure it out. There was going to be a wedding. Wow, this is starting off very differently from what I would have expected. We're reading a war story, now we're talking about a wedding. We're going to be talking about all sorts of interesting things today. Well, the wedding was between two people, which is not quite right. The wedding was actually between, and remember this is the world of Greek mythology, this is a very different world from the world we know. One man, Peleus, who was known to be a great man, in fact he is the father of one of the greatest characters in all Greek mythology, who we will know very well by the end of this book. His name is Achilleus. He is the second greatest or strongest hero in all Greek mythology. You all probably know actually the most famous character from Greek mythology. He often wears a lion, skin, head, hat, uh, a club, is the son of Zeus, very strong Disney movie about him too, of course. Yes? Heracles. Heracles, very good. And you know his Greek name too, Heracles. His Roman name is Hercules. I'll often tell you the differences between names because these names get translated into different languages and then they sound different. It's kind of like how if your name is Jose, you're not called Joes. Uh, it's the same thing with Achilleus. That's why he's not Achilles or something like that. In any case, this Peleus, this great man, was going to marry a goddess. Very rare, very, very rare thing to happen in Greek mythology. Almost, not almost always, but most of the time, if there is a relationship between gods and humans, it is between male gods and female humans. Not always the case, um, and Aphrodite will certainly make that different. We will see, um, we will see actually somebody who is a, uh, an exception to that rule during the course of the Iliad. His name is Aeneas, and then we'll read a book about him called the Aeneid. He is the son of Aphrodite. But this is a little bit strange that a female goddess, and she's a minor goddess, not one of the Olympian gods, not one of the major 12 gods, is being wed to a mortal man. So it's a weird situation just off the get-go. Actually, do you want to hear something else weird about the situation? So you know who the two top gods are. You at least know the top god. Who can recall the top god from yesterday? Zeus. And who remembers what his brother's name was, who was the god of the ocean, sometimes called Earthshaker? Yes? Poseidon. Poseidon. And so both Poseidon and Zeus had major crushes on Thetis. Thetis is a water man. That means a very minor goddess. She's actually technically called a Nereid, because she is one of the 40 or so daughters of a sea god named Nereus. She's really small time, but she's very beautiful. And so, the gods wanted her. But why did she end up marrying a mortal man rather than Zeus or Poseidon? How could a mortal man beat out gods? Well, he didn't. There was a prophecy about Thetis. 
And I want you to pay close attention to this prophecy. Whoever was the father of her son would be lesser than her son after she bore him. Let me put that in a different way. Whatever son she has will be greater than his father. Why might that make both Zeus and Poseidon not want to marry Thetis? There's one piece of information you don't yet have that might help you with this, but I want to see what you think, yes? Because then um, the son or the youngborn will be stronger than Zeus. Then the son of Zeus or Poseidon will be stronger than Zeus or Poseidon. What might then happen? Yes? And there might be a war, but that's only the beginning of what they imagine might happen. They might what? Um, when Zeus had defeated his, I guess, kind of brother, I guess. But he defeated Kronos. But the Titans were ruling before then. So when, um, like, Zeus was Kronos' son, who, I think there's like a prophecy of Zeus, too, that one day he would be eaten by his son or somebody stronger than him, but he might lose to somebody else. There's sort of a lot there. You gave us a lot of information. I'll sort of filter it out for everybody. It is true that in the play by Aeschylus, though we don't think it's actually by Aeschylus, Prometheus Bound, a titan named Prometheus gives a prophecy that one day there will be a child of Zeus who will be greater than he. And in fact, that prophecy does refer to Thetis, and that is why Zeus does not marry her. But yes, the idea is if Zeus marries or He's actually married, by the way. He's actually married to Hera. And so, so is Poseidon married uh, as well. So you can see the gods, they don't quite believe the same things about marriage that we do. At least the male gods, that seems to be true. Hera is a little bit different. She's the goddess of marriage. Makes sense. Well, if there's a prophecy that Zeus will have a son that will be greater than he is at some point, and he will take his throne, then... Does Zeus consciously want to make that happen, or prevent that, or attempt to prevent that? Of course, attempt to prevent that. And the additional piece of information that we just received is this. How did Zeus become king of the gods? Well, he defeated his father, Kronos. How did Kronos become king of the gods? Well, he defeated his father, Uranus. And so, how do you become king of the gods? By defeating Generally, your father, who was the former king of the gods. So definitely Zeus does not want to marry Thetis. And so, why give her to a mortal? There's a good reason. What is a characteristic of all mortals, all humans? We are all born. That's true. What else do we all do? Yes? Die. We all die. And so if Peleus has a son that's greater than he is, even if he's the most spectacular human ever to have existed, which he's very close to being, He's handsome, strong, fast, good musician, tall. He's great. He's Achilles. Why will he never overthrow Zeus? Yes, sir? Because he dies. Because he will someday die. Very good. All right. So I've said a lot of extra things on one slide. You see how these sorts of lectures work. Okay. So let's get back to the slides. A wedding is about to happen. We know the background of the wedding, and the wedding is itself the background to the Iliad. One goddess is not invited to the wedding. It's probably the goddess that nobody ever wants to invite to any engagement that they want to go well. Her name is Discord. 
Discord is a synonym with chaos, strife, conflict. What do you not want at your wedding? Conflict! Yes, you want it to be harmonious. You want it to go off without a hitch. You do not want issues at your wedding. Like when I went to one of my friend's wedding and he had a friend who was playing the recorder uh, for him and, and she missed several notes. And several of us were stifling laughs during that time, but we're trying not to be rude, but it's like kind of a... You, you don't expect things to go wrong during the course of a wedding. In fact, some of you might actually be like, man, I hope things go wrong every day because things just happen to go right. It's like, do you know how hard it is to make things go right every day for you? It's almost impossible. In fact, it is impossible. We make mistakes all the time. In any case, you don't want this goddess at your wedding. But if you don't invite her, she might get upset. She might feel snubbed. In fact, she does. And so, Eris is not invited to the wedding. And so she goes to this garden. It's a very famous garden in Greek mythology. It's very similar to Eden in the Old Testament and also in Dante. It's called the Garden of the Hesperides. It has a very famous tree in it, very much like the Garden of Eden. And on that tree, there's a very famous snake, very much also like the Garden of Eden. Sometimes it's called a dragon. Dragons actually come from a word for snake, Draco. Um, and in fact, dragon, dragons are flying snakes. Of course, they're imaginary creatures that are made. They're component parts snake, eagle, and fire. Uh, you might say that they are all the things that have predated on us over time. Snakes, predatory birds, and fire. Things that kill people um, and have killed people over time. In fact, uh, e even if you check YouTube now, you can see pythons consuming humans over in, um, in Asia. I saw a video of that two years ago. She, not her being consumed, but her being cut out of the snake. Snakes still get people, by the way, and crocodiles do too. In any case... Speaking of conflict, this tree has golden apples on it. And on the golden apple that Eris picks, I'm going to turn it back really quickly, she writes a Greek word, because they spoke ancient Greek at this time. Kalisti. Kalisti means to the fairest. Sort of like a, what is the folktale Disney puts? Mirror, mirror, on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? Does anybody recall which folktale that is, and yes, it's very similar to that, right? And when, and so Eris took this apple with Kalisti on it, threw it into the wedding. It was like throwing the bouquet, and I don't know if any of you have been to a wedding before, or seen the bouquet being thrown, but how do the ladies generally act when that bouquet gets thrown? You might imagine something like a scrum if you play rugby, or a pit of tackles if you play football. People attacking for it, they want that. Because the old idea is that the person who wins the bouquet, do you know what the, uh, the myth behind that is? Yes, in the back? The that they'll be the next one to get married. That's right, that's right. Well, these goddesses, they want to be the fairest. Because to be the fairest is an old way, old way of saying the prettiest. And so, three goddesses come to the fore, the top goddesses. Hera, goddess of marriage, wife of Zeus. Athena, goddess of war and wisdom, daughter of Zeus. Aphrodite, goddess of love and beauty, daughter of Zeus. And these three goddesses ask Zeus to make a choice between them, who is the prettiest? So imagine that. You're a father. You have a wife. 
You have daughters, and you have to make a choice between them. While they look at you, who's the prettiest and the fairest? Choose. Is that a good choice for you to have to make? No. We might call that a win-lose-lose. Win, because the person you choose likes you, but then who dislikes you? The other two. And so it's just not a winning situation. So Zeus is very smart. So he gives the decision to a young Trojan prince named Paris, who is a shepherd. And there he is, looking like a dandy. That is not how they would have dressed, by the way. But that is a representation of just how foppish Paris is. Something about the time of existence that we will be talking about here, this dark age of Greece, is that Manly virtue was considered great, strength and prowess. And it makes sense, because what were you doing every year of your life during this time? Fighting wars. Well, what do you have to do if you engage in physical, or what do you have to be if you engage in physical combat every year of your life? Have to be strong. Have to be strong. Does he look very strong? That is not the idea you are supposed to get about Paris. He is sometimes called, and this is an anachronistic term, a pretty boy. We have different terms for that these days, slightly more vulgar, I believe. In any case, like I told you, Zeus is charged with making the decision. It's a no-win decision, or rather it's a one-win-two-loss, which means no-win decision. So he does not want to make it, so he gives Paris the job. Paris is very foolish, much less intelligent than Zeus. He's no god. He's just a young man. Ah, uh, yes, and something I should include here is that at Paris's birth, <laughs> there was actually a prophecy that he would bring about the destruction of Troy. And by some accounts, he was actually left on a hill. Um, he was left on a hill on Mount Ida and was collected by a shepherd. This is a very common motif. Uh, you'll see this in Oedipus. You'll see this in the Moses story. Um, uh, even the Disney version of the Heracles, Hercules story has this. Heroes are often abandoned as children. And then have to survive. Heracles survived two snakes. Moses, a ride down some water. And this guy, um, some supposedly, some lions and such. In any case, he survived being put on a mountain. He was raised by shepherds. He was raised as a shepherd. By some accounts, he didn't even know he was a prince until later on. He will be called back to Troy, however. Or will go back to Troy. In any case, by some accounts, even before or right at his birth, Paris was going to doom Troy. And just something you should know about how large Troy is, is that its king has 50 sons and 100 daughters. And supposedly has enough rooms in his palace to house all of them. And so Troy is a giant place. And so Paris will re be responsible for the destruction of the one of the greatest places on earth at that time. Because of his decision. That's a lot of responsibility. Well, let's see. These three goddesses, they know that they are cheaters. And if you're going to compete against cheaters, you're probably going to do what in order to give yourself an advantage? Cheat! And so, every single goddess tries to bribe Paris. What is it that they say? What is it that they offer? Hera. Well, she's the queen of the gods. What does she offer? Political power. Do you want to rule Paris? He says, meh, kind of lazy. Athena says she offers wisdom, but what she really offers is victory in battles. That would be extremely useful, because these are bellicose people. They fight constantly with each other. 
to be able to win every battle. That's what we would imagine most people would want. And yet there is a third offer. Aphrodite, most beautiful of the goddesses. Well, she says, you can have glory in battle, you can rule all, or you can have the most beautiful woman in the world. Paris is a young man. Young men don't always think through their decisions. Which goddess do you think he chose? Yes? Aphrodite. Aphrodite, of course. Funny thing about his decision is he did not even know who he was choosing when he made his decision. The most beautiful woman in the world, he assumed, was Aphrodite. He thought he was going to get the goddess. But she then quickly reminded him, I am no woman. I'm not a human. I'm a goddess. You will not be receiving me. So the person that Paris will receive as gift or as bribe for choosing Aphrodite will be the most beautiful woman in the world named Helen. Helen of Argos at this time. Sometimes called Helen of Sparta. During the course of the Iliad, she will be called Helen of Troy. One tricky thing, though, about him receiving Helen is that she is already married. And already married to a Spartan king named Menelaus. Spartan king who is the brother to Agamemnon, who is the king of Mycenae. Mycenae is the biggest Greek state at that time, the most powerful. And so when Paris of Troy takes the wife of a Spartan king who is the brother of the Mycenaean king, that means that he has angered the most powerful enemies in the world as far as he knows. Well, you steal the wife from a king. What do you think is going to follow from that? Well, Menelaus and Agamemnon raised a giant army. Over a thousand ships, if you count them up in book two of the Iliad at the end of it. Something like 1180 or something like that. I counted it at one point. I'm never going to do it again. It doesn't actually take that long. It takes under an hour. And they came across the sea, and they demanded Helen back, and then for some reason the Trojans, and this is very bothersome to all of us, for some reason the Trojans said, no, we will not give Helen back. A weird thing about that is that Paris is not the crown prince of Troy, by the way. There are 50 sons of Priam. His top son, who is supposed to become king, is named Hector. And that is their greatest fighter. And we will know Hector very well by the end of this. So, so Paris is just a middle-of-the-road prince. And yet, Helen is not given back, and this war begins. And the question you may really start to ponder is, what reason would Priam, the king of Troy, have had for keeping Helen there? We'll think about that quite a bit, because that's a tough question. These are pictures of, uh, just a couple things about these pictures. Um, Aphrodite, Hera, and Athena. This isn't a great picture, it's not deeply symbolic, but if you ever see an owl next to somebody, do you know which goddess was originally represented by an owl? Yes? It was Athena. It was Athena. Because the owl is the creature of perpetual wonder. Its eyes are really what? wide. And it also sees everything because it can see it what? Night. And it can also do something that you can't really do unless you want to die, which is you know, it can turn its head all the way around. It has a full perspective. So it is itself a representation of wisdom for the Greeks. I just thought I'd tell you that. 
Alright, so Paris made the choice, not with his uh, brain, as we were saying, but he chose Aphrodite. And he will be awarded Helen, as I said. That's a nice picture of Aphrodite. Uh, her animal is actually what you see here, the, uh, the dove. The dove is later appropriated into Christianity as the Holy Spirit. And so possibly it means something like love, or something that exists between humans. Because love only exists between humans, because it can only exist between conscious, uh, sentient creatures. And we are the only ones that we know about. In fact, we're so lonely and wish there were so many other sentient beings that we do what in order to pretend like there are? Make movies with aliens, right? Because then we can have different species that are also sentient. Unfortunately, no species has caught up with us. Alright. Ah, yes. Yes, good. This is very, very important. I might actually end up... Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop on this slide today so that we have time to take up the composition notebooks as well as the syllabi. Another problem with Paris' decision, besides the fact that he did not choose the most useful thing, which would have been victory in battle, besides the fact that the person he chose... Aphrodite is not actually the person he will receive, which will be Helen, who is already married, which will be essentially an act of war between one nation and another, stealing the queen of one nation and taking her to another. But Paris already has a wife, too! My goodness! All sorts of insanity. You can see that cheating happens all the time in this ancient Greek culture. He had a wife named Inone, who was a nymph. In fact, I'll tell you something... Maybe some of you ladies, maybe some of you gentlemen right now are like, I don't much care for this Paris. Taking someone who is already the wife from another man. Oh, I should add this. Helen was then a new mother too, had a young daughter named Hermione. So she will leave her infant daughter Hermione behind. So not only is she a queen, not only is she married, she's also a new mother. And she will be leaving her daughter behind. Well, Paris is also married and will also be leaving his wife behind. Are you seeing how complicated and sort of nasty this situation is? Yes. Something to make you understand that nobody gets away with anything in this ancient Greek world, and perhaps this world at large. Paris will need Inone. Again, after the Iliad. He will need something that only she can give to him. And can you guess whether she gives it to him or not? It will be something that would even be able to save his life if he were to receive it from her. Do you think she will give it to him? No, she will not. So you will see over and over again things that are unthinkable happening during the course of the Iliad and in Greek mythology. But then you will also, most of the time, not always, see justice being done as well.